Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Um, let's do one more thing this morning. Pull up the Apostles' Creed. I've been doing a lot of uh, uh, prayer times and... Uh, and looking at my confessions and what they actually are, the, the most important confession that you make is the one that you self-confess, your self-talk inside of you, uh, how you approach life, uh, the rhythm of life, the rhythm of God's grace in our lives. And uh, Eugene Peterson uh, wrote a book, uh, it was off a quote from, actually from Nietzsche, but he, if Nietzsche said if he was ever going to follow a religion or a god, it would have to be one that went for a long, long walk in the same direction. And so Eugene Peterson wrote a book about a long obedience, which meant the same thing, going, going for a long obedience in the same direction. It means doing the same thing in your life and getting a rhythm of it built. And this is one way of doing that is our, our confessions. And I w- I've been, uh, believe it or not, after what I've been teaching, I've been listening to uh, like Gregorian chant music, that kind of stuff. It's got a little bit of musical instruments in the background, some birds going off, which I really like. And, um, but just listening to them sing in that form, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and then I just started doing prayers, and, and I couldn't remember all of this one, but I was doing this confession, and I want us to do it this morning. So just as an act of obedience, why don't you stand with me? Because it just shows a sign of, of the seriousness to our own hearts. And say together with me, we believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, you got to go back, back arrow, there we go. We won't start it all over again with who was conceived. Who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Such a good confession, isn't it? And we changed the wording a little bit to bring it up to modern times. So, um, but it's been being said by believers for a long time. Now if I can get my first teaching notes up there. It's the one that starts Romans 13. So with doing that and singing that, I started uh, doing kind of a contemplative prayer model. Uh, but it's thinking about what I was praying. And I, t- I told 
I've talked to Brenda several times about it because I kind of struggled with my prayers uh, over the past two or three months, like not struggling to have prayers, but struggling like, wait a minute, what am I, I've asked this a lot, and sometimes I see God's hand move over specific things, and then sometimes it doesn't, and then you kind of prioritize your prayers. Do you do what I do? And you go, here's the biggies, and oh yeah, if you could add this in there. And I have a couple of those that are parenthetical ones. If you just take care of Brenda, and he's trying. Why won't you answer that prayer? He says, I have. I gave you to her. Uh, but it, you know how you kind of are. So I'm letting, opening up kind of a little bit and getting transparent again. But sometimes I wondered, why am I praying? He knows everything anyway. Do you get, do you, okay, I get that too. And I go, I must have said this, you know, I start doing Forrest Gums. I must have said this a hundred times, you know. Life is like a box of chocolates. It's going through that, and then I just started going, wait a minute, come back to the simplicity of prayer, Lloyd. Come back to contemplating about prayers and praying the scriptures and what's really important here. And so I started doing that chant singing, and then that led me to one morning I just went, hey, put the armor of God on, put Christ on, and then started studying it. So that's where this came from this morning. Paul was very clear about something that we don't understand today, and that's where we believe the Holy Spirit lives in us. All of us believe that. But then Paul would say, well, put on Christ as though it was something completely outside of us because um, we just don't quite understand that. God's in us and he's with us. And how do you put on Jesus? What does that mean? And it's actually you're doing a contemplative prayer of reminding yourself. It's a way of preaching the gospel to yourself, of reminding yourself, your own mind, who Christ is. Well, why is that a prayer? Because you're contemplating with the Holy Spirit about who you are and more about who God is and who God is in you. And so that's what Paul meant when he was telling people to put on Christ. Now remember, this is in Romans. Remember everything this past year that we did when we, when we studied Romans, what the times was like for the Roman church. You know, they didn't get a voice like, boy, you know, God doesn't do something about this administration. The country's just going to go to bad places. They didn't think that way. They didn't even talk about the emperor unless it was referring to him as God. If you didn't believe it was God, you didn't say anything because if you did say something, you might not have a head for very long. It would get taken off. So the idea of them understanding the politics of what was going on between the Roman Senate and the authorities in Rome and the Roman ruler, who was Caesar, the various Caesar, that didn't exist in common language. But the turmoil did. The fact that they didn't have it well, way worse than us. I mean, if they got a pain or an owie in their foot, they didn't go grab two ibuprofen. It was put up with the pain, shut up, and, and find a way of getting through this. 
is so different than how we live today. And we're so concerned about um, the government. They were more concerned about, I hope the government doesn't take my life away or my family away or my possessions away. Because a Roman soldier could walk in your house and because if he was a centurion, if he was a Roman soldier, he could come in your house, take all your food, take the stool that you had to sit on and said, I need this, and take your last two water jugs and leave you. And it was legal for him to do it. You, there, wasn't, there wasn't a social welfare department to go complain about it. So it was so different, and yet it means as much today when we read it because the focus of Paul and what he was telling the church to look at, he kept, he kept hammering it over and over and over again, who Christ is in a believer, who he is for their life and in the believer's life and that that's where real life happened and where it came from. So look at this passage of scripture in Romans 13. So he's written all the treatise stuff and, and Romans 13 through 16 are like the uh, it's like Paul doing after effects and going oh yeah and oh and and, and don't forget this is he's putting in all the little addendums so this is an area where he starts doing addendums and he says and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep doesn't that sound like it applies today does and it did then for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed what on earth did he mean by that well he was both talking about the imminent return of Christ but also they didn't you know it's uh do you remember the the old movie what he, what's eating Gilbert Grape you know and and the, the little character that was on, on the spectrum and and couldn't quite get things right. And uh, going, I can go any time now. That's what he's writing here. Your salvation's near. Not in a morbid way, but we could go any time, you guys. It, it just could happen. It's nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Well, if, if the day's coming, uh, the armor of light, what was he trying to tell? The light that was in the armor was not magical, it was mystical. Because it was both unseen yet tangible. Very tangible in our hearts is the armor of God, the armor of light. So he says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts, now here's one of the things. When it speaks of the flesh, it's not just talking about sinful behavior. Okay? To, to do this very thing of making provision for the flesh was to make a way for your own survival. Doing whatever it takes to come out on top. 
to get ahead and make sure you get through this. You know, it's looking at your spouse and go, we're going to make it. I'm telling you, even if I have to sell, that's making provision in the flesh. As much as a sinful behavioral pattern of making it feel better. But that he was urging believers, look, put on Christ. I'll explain this more in a little bit. But in putting on Christ, that is the only means by which you will not come to self, to the end of self-protection, self-preservation, making sure that everything's okay. Well, let's put $1,000 aside just in case. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong to do or to live frivolously is, is like okay, but there's a, there's a very clear line that Paul's trying to define here about how we, in every aspect of our lives, we trust in God to not only be provision, but to be life. It's funny, the songs we sang this morning, the, he is the air we breathe. He is life itself. And when we remind ourselves of that, we're probably praying one of the most important prayers we can possibly do. Nope, you're going to have to go ahead for me because it's not doing it. Whoever. <laughs> clicky, clicky. Okay, so he talks about the days being evil. Paul in believing that we were filled with Christ, he clearly taught it. You have to remember, all of the stuff that we've learned about Romans, when we did the whole, almost a year of the study about Romans, that all came in front of what he's saying here. All the power of Christ and what he's done was starting with Romans 3.21, but now, the things that we have now in Christ... He taught explicitly that Christ dwelled in us, that we had a new nature, and that it was secure and a done deal. He also knew, and this is why he's writing this, he's doing an addendum, that the believer's mind could wander from that truth. I am totally secure in Christ, and my mind, when it's assailed with lies, can wander from that truth whether they're self-imposed lies or other imposed lies. And he understood that it was really, really important to go for a long walk in the same direction. And, to that, and that's what a con contemplative prayer is for. You're reminding yourself. And here, here's a funny thing. Most people, when they pray contemplative prayers, don't use their mouth. They pray quietly and they're not hearing themselves say it. And there's something in making your prayer out loud, just like this, talking out loud, so that you're hearing it, that changes the tenor of it. That it has a, I'm not talking about magic, but it does have a power in that you're hearing yourself. A lot of times when we pray silently inside of ourselves and it's just the internal voice, we start drifting. I don't know if you're wired like I am. My mind starts drifting. I lose track. Wait, what was I praying? And I lose track of it. When we say it out loud, when we pray it out loud, now I have an advantage in that um, 
when, when I've been doing it, I'm, I do this prayer walk, which is my driveway. So I have a, a, kind of a long driveway with a circle that goes around the garage. And I do laps. It's amazing how quick that 30 to 40 minutes will go. If I start doing it out loud and I'm actually praying it out loud. Now, I bet you there's 100 birds that have gotten saved in the past few weeks. Because, man, I have been doing out loud preaching the gospel so that I would hear it and to have my mind renewed daily. And it's both regarding my eternal position and the circumstantial posture that I'm in. And that's what Paul was talking about here in Romans 13. He was talking about you have this deep, deep uh, truth about your life that is an eternal position. Nothing can move Christ away from you. But circumstances can have a tendency to forget you to, so that you don't, your mind gets trapped and you don't remember that. You don't remind yourself. It's interesting. One of my favorite books is uh, by a guy named uh, psychologist, Dr. William Backus. He wrote a couple of books, one called Telling Yourself the Truth. And he actually built a whole clinic out of it and telling each other the truth. And then he wrote a book, The Truth About Worry, and those kind of things. But it's about the, the misconceptions that we get and the misbeliefs that we have. I mean, talk about a disinformation bureau. Uh, doesn't, doesn't need somebody that sings it over you. But man, he said this in the, in the forward to one of the books. I can't remember which book. And this was, he wrote this like three decades ago. And he said, the, the American human mind is assailed by approximately 200 lies per day. That was through the average. Now, this was in the days before the internet. And he was saying, people get assailed by lies. Uh, and he, he used the example, you know, or you, I use the example, you know, it's like the come and buy the brand new Tide, which is da, 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 and all they've done is changed one inert ingredient. It didn't change Tide at all. It was the same Tide that your mom used. And it was a lie to get you to believe that it was better now because it had two more grains of phosphate in it. So it wasn't really true truth. And he talked about how important it is to have our lives filled with true truth. If that's going on back, if he wrote that 30 years ago, what are we getting assailed with today? You know, if you look at the headlines and look at TikTok and uh, tweeting and Musk buying, uh, you know, the whole thing that goes with that, you look at it and go, it's all, I, mean, I mean, he's thinking of backing out of the deal because the whole thing's, half of it's made up. Half the followers don't really exist. They're what's called a robot. And that means that there's just a, somebody that pushes one button and it looks like there's 400,000 people that like that. Half the followers of the leader of our country on Twitter don't really exist. It's somebody that is a, just pushes a button and a whole bunch of other things go, oh, I like what they say in there. 
Now, I'm not just picking on him. That could be anybody. It could be Donald Trump. It could be anybody. It could be your next door neighbor who seems to have a following of two and a half million people and you can't stand him. It's that. It's that kind of made up stuff. And here's Paul saying, because these days are evil, what's really important is you have your mind renewed daily. So what's one of the most important prayers I could pray? They are the ones about putting on Christ. That was Paul's answer. How do I have my mind renewed daily? I put on Christ. What does that mean? Now remember, the New Testament, we have an advantage today to actually doing this because we can read it and then apply it in prayer. That didn't exist for them. Telling them put on Christ meant to understand again who he is in you. And to go for a daily walk with God saying, God, you are this, this, and this. And then Paul wrote letters about it to various churches that we now have as the inspired word of God. I believe that. I believe that the Holy Spirit inspired the writings of all of the New Testament writers and that it is directly from God to us. Can you imagine being a believer back then and being able to listen to the leader of the small gathering or group of people goes, I got a part of the letter that Paul wrote to Ephesus. Listen to this. And then saying it, can't you imagine, you know, it's just, it's just some... Some leader that's got a small group of people, there are 20 of them, and they're going, oh, read it again. What did he say? He says, put on Christ. How do we, can you imagine the questions that were going, how do we do that? Well, you pray it. And here's a guy starting to explain what Paul was trying to explain and getting it through to them. In understanding that, let's go to the next slide. That was one too far. Back one. Should be number four. I want you to look right here at Ephesians 4.20. He's talking about how to lay your life and live it in God and what not to do. And then he says in verse 20 of Ephesians 4, but you have not so learned Christ. So he's saying, don't do it in all your own efforts. If indeed you heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now look at how he's referring to Christ. He's, he's referring to him as though he's present right there with each one of the believers. And he's saying, uh, if indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him, what's the point of emphasis there? That God is teaching. He's teaching each one of us. He's with you and he wants your heart to learn it. 
So you're looking at this passage of scripture and praying it. He doesn't want you to pray it in a numbing, blind, religious way. He wants you to pray it with the heart of a learner. And going, this is what I learned about who God is. As the truth is in Jesus. So you say, all the other lies, Lord, bring your truth into me. I want to put who you are on me today so, it, so my mind can renew. So he says, then you put off concerning your former conduct. Quit thinking about how bad you were. Okay, you're, you were bad already. Now you're saved. You're not that anymore. Put off dwelling on your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to the lust. You know what's really strange is when you get nostalgic, the thing I've had to do is that, like, I like my life. So you may not appreciate everything about it, but I like my life. And I like what I've been through. I like where I've gotten through. I don't like all the things that I went through. And everything, but I found this when I start getting captured by too much nostalgia, I get caught by the same weird thinking that I had way back then. I get, I get, I get tra trapped in my mind, even though I know that guy wasn't any good and he died. But that guy can try and re trigger thoughts that bring up stuff that went, oh. And I start remembering stuff about my life, forgetting the ugh that it resulted in. And he says, don't do that. That's not a, he's telling each of the believers, that's not a healthy way to approach this. He said, because it grows corrupt. It's funny, you dwell on those thoughts, brings up the same corrupt, icky feeling. Even some of the music, you know, uh, I was thinking about Woodstock the other day, you know. I came upon a child of God. He was walking along the road. And I'm going, wait a minute. I used to like not inhale good things back then when I was listening to that. And it brought up all the ick from it. And I went, you know what? I don't even like that song. He can go to Yasger's farm all he wants. You know, I, it just, ugh. And that's not what I've learned. He says, instead do this. This is what we fill our lives with in con contemplative prayer. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Who's the spirit of my mind? Same one. Uh, spirit in the sky. <laughs> that same spirit. And start thinking about, let me... Look, each of us, even those who denigrate themselves and say, oh, I didn't get those kind of experiences. You had an experience in God or you would not be sitting here. Something, him, drew you into him so that you could live in him. He is a spirit that dwells in you. And Paul understood this. He says, when you putting him on is reminding yourself of who Christ is in you. So he says, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God. And this is what he dwells with on you. In true what? In true righteousness, right standing. 
There can be a false right standing, and that's when you try and do it on your own. This is a true right standing that you renew your mind with and holiness. This is an exercise, and when you move away from it and forget it, then you quit believing it. I'm a holy, shocking saint. I'm righteous. I'm the purity of God on the earth. Me. When I remind myself that that's who I am, guess what I start behaving like? Who I am. If I continue to see, oh, man, everything was going so good last week. And then so-and-so said this and this, and I was mad as all get out, and I wish. And so you're dwelling on that. Instead of, I can be at peace with all people and send my best prayer towards them. That's putting on Christ. It's putting on the way he thinks. I'm not going to get through this today, am I? Okay. How do I do this on a regular basis? Well, you'll just have to not go on vacation next week and come back and hear the rest of this. It does mean this, the long walk in the same direction, a regular routine. There are so many teachers within the body of Christ right now that are telling people how to get right with God and they're already right with God. And they keep telling them all the things that they have to do to turn our country around so that God will hear them and do something about how bad it is. Ah! I'm sorry. I believe in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe in who he is in our lives. But we can go for a long walk in the same direction to know what to pray, how to stand, in my righteousness and holiness and what really helps it's found in Ephesians 6 we'll break it down next week I'll take you through a little like little prayer pattern you don't have to use the same prayer pattern that I do to get saved or to be holy or to be in Christ find the one but I want to give an example of it of what, how it helps in understanding of to put on the armor because so much weird stuff was taught about that. And putting on the armor was another way of Paul saying, put on Christ, put on your new man and have your, this, the spirit of your mind renewed. So this week, as you get ready to do it, when you get a quiet time at the beginning of this week over the next couple of days, just read out loud Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 to yourself. That's where the armor of God, telling us how to stand in an evil time. And just let it permeate who you are again. And next week we'll actually go through a little exercise of praying on the armor of God, what that looks like, and why it's so deeply important. Christ, Paul said to the Colossian church, put on Christ in such a way that the peace of Christ moves beyond your understanding. So you're enveloped in when you put him on that you walk in that peace. 
If there's any commodity that we need today, it's peace. We need to walk in peace because everything's trying to steal it. The biggest lie out there says that the world has a system that can steal your peace and that you better be worried, be very worried, you know, because uh, things are going to get really worse and the recession's really going to do this. It just steals your peace. That's all it's, those lies are all designed to steal Christ in you. Every lie that's out there, whether it comes from the left or the right, the right has just as many lies as the left. It's all designed to steal your peace. So put on Christ. So Lord, we just uh, receive that this morning. Again, we receive it again. Listen, as I, as I close, it, this is sort of a prayer, but it's actually an old song. So we'll receive it as a prayer for ourselves this, this morning, okay? This is a very old song that we used to sing. So it says this. Lord, I live by your word. Lord, I live by every word from your mouth. I am like a tree that's pan, planted by a stream. I am bearing fruit. My leaf is green. Now all that I do is prospering. Oh Lord, I live by your word. As the rain and the snow fall down from heaven and water the earth to bring forth its fruit, so shall be the word that you are speaking. It shall not return empty to you. It will accomplish your desire and it will surely succeed. Your word transforms the desert and your word is changing me. That's his word in our life. Lord, we live by your word. By the way, it's a quote from Isaiah. It's a song from quoting Isaiah. Transform our thinking. Destroy the lies that try to infiltrate our flesh and cause us to make preparation in the flesh. All a lie can beget is another lie. Lord, we live by your word. We live by your truth. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's set eternally, positionally, and circumstantially today. I am set in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.